0: Okay, praises be to our loving Abba that we are again gathered again to study his words. We will continue our studies of the book of Re- uh, not Revelation, but the book of Daniel. Last week, we studied the book of Daniel chapter 2, and we learned all about the image that was in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And we know we represented different kingdoms or different empires that will succeed one over the other. And so we began with gold and silver and brass and iron and iron and clay and this represents Babylon, which was overtaken by Middle Persia, which was overtaken by Greece, and eventually Rome. And Rome would have a future kingdom as well, and this would all come toppling down because of the stone. The stone happens to be Yahushua, and this prophesies the day when Yahuwah Abba will rule over the whole world through his appointed king, who is none other than Yahusha himself. So all of this leads to the everlasting kingdom that God has prophesied through the writings, of course, of the prophets. So we left off with this image and the meaning of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar gave for Daniel to explain. Now, shortly after this, uh, maybe 10 years or 20 years after this event in chapter 2, we jump to chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. So what happens next? The book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar had a gold statue made, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and he had it set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So there's a relationship between the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 2 and this statue made of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had done. And how large and imposing was this statue? Bible says 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And so it's not an ordinary statue. It's pretty imposing. If we can take a look at the size of the statue, if you notice, uh, if it's 90 feet, that would be the equivalent of, let's say, an eight-story building, more or less. So that's pretty large. You can see the tiny person at the bottom of the pedestal, right? And that's to give you an idea of how large this statue made of gold is. And according to scriptures, this golden statue that was made was set up in the plain of Dura, which is in the province of Babylon, in the plains of Shinar. It turns out that archaeologists went to that precise area and they discovered something in Dura. What did they find in Dura? what they found was a mound. On the plains of Dura, there stands today a rectilinear mound about 20 feet high, an exact square of about 46 feet at the base, resembling the pedestal of a colossal statue. And so what you see there is the pedestal upon which a colossal statue would be standing. Artists rendition of how this possibly would have looked like is shown in the following image. There is the golden statue and it sits upon that mound that was found in the plains of Dura. And so there is archeological evidence that this incident actually took place there in Babylon. However, what we are more interested in is not the physical aspects, the archaeological proof that this event took place, but its spiritual purpose, what meaning, and what we can learn from this whole event. And so we know in chapter 2, the vision of the statue was given to the prophet Daniel for him to explain to Nebuchadnezzar. And so, the purpose and meaning of the golden head is that Babylon would rule as the empire over the whole world for a period of time. This is why the statue itself is only partly gold. What part of the statue is gold? Only the head. When you go to the body, it becomes silver and brass and iron and iron and clay. And so, The prophet Daniel explained to King Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of his dream is that his empire eventually will come to an end. And so does Yahuwah God give authority to Nebuchadnezzar as king over the whole world? Yes, it is by Yahuwah's power that all the other kingdoms were placed under his feet. And this is recorded In the Holy Bible. However, what did Nebuchadnezzar decide to do? Well, he turned the statue into gold, not just the head, but also the arms and the body, the torso, the thighs, the feet, and everything else. And so, what does this tell us about Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar is not content with Yahuwah's limits that he placed on his leadership. You see, Nebuchadnezzar boastfully defies or rejects the limit that God placed on his leadership. As leaders, whether it be political leaders or spiritual leaders, Yahuwah God gives authority but only to appoint. And so when there are spiritual leaders, when they seek to exceed what Yahuwah God has placed as borders concerning their leadership, that is also a form of idolatry. Nebuchadnezzar defied Yahuwah Abba by boastly rejecting the limit that God placed on his leadership. If there are spiritual leaders today who also exceed the limit that God has placed concerning their authority, that cannot be from Yahuwah Abba. Nebuchadnezzar, because he rejected the leadership, the vision that Yahuwah God has given him. And he wanted to rule for eternity. He wanted to rule forever, represented by the gold statue. What did he also do so that he could solidify how the people viewed him as the political leader or as the leader of the whole world? Let's read the book of Daniel, chapter 3, 3 down to 6. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. But at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image of King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. What also did King Nebuchadnezzar set up in order to promote himself through the golden statue that he had erected? Bible says he decided to have one great dedication we can call this a dedication worship service and what were they going to dedicate the statue that was set up by King Nebuchadnezzar and so who did they invite in this special dedication worship services the Bible says the satraps the administrators the governors the counselors treasurers all the officials of the different provinces because Nebuchadnezzar wanted to communicate to everyone that he will be the leader, that he is the administrator, and that he is above all of them. And this is represented by that statue. They are to bow down and worship the gold image when the music begins to play. When the symphony with all kinds of music is heard, you shall fall down, and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now, the the events associated with the king's erecting of the image actually suggest he wanted to unify his empire. He wanted to consolidate his authority as ruler. The image was to become the unifying center of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. He wanted to establish a center place identified by that statue to show that he wa- because he wanted to unify his empire. What was the reason behind this desire that King Nebuchadnezzar had to unify his empire or his kingdom? Well, there was a discovery of coniform tablets by archeologists, and it's in the British Museum today. And what they found was, according to the coniform tablets, there was a revolt in 596 BC And this may have set the stage for the wide wide scale reaffirmation and swearing allegiance in support of Nebuchadnezzar. And because there was brewing uprising and revolt and rebellion against King Nebuchadnezzar, he needed to present himself as something other than an ordinary king. And so he wanted to bring people's attention that he was not just a king. But he is, in fact, a world ruler that he possessed certain abilities and people needed to honor and worship him as not a regular king, but one they needed to show allegiance to. And so this whole dedication and this whole building of a golden statue was done so that people can rally with him to be one with the administrator. And what he basically set up was the idolatry of leadership. You know, when you study history, this is really how cults are made. You have a leader and you have a group and you want to somehow um, use loyalty to God to equate to being loyal with this leader. So that if you are loyal to the leader, you are loyal to God. For example, um, Hitler is a good example. I don't know if you know about Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, but basically what religious and spiritual leaders do also is copy what he did. You see, religious leaders are happy. They want to blend together spiritual allegiance, loyalty to the leader, and personal allegiance. So loyalty to God and loyalty to the leader are one and the same thing. An example of this was displayed in 1936 when her Baldur von Schirach, Head of the youth program for Nazi Germany said, if we act as true Germans, we act according to the laws of God. Whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer, serves Germany. And whoever serves Germany serves God. And this is how cults are made. They say and communicate to the people, if you want to be loyal to God, you have to be loyal to the leader." And so if you're loyal to the leader, you're loyal to God. If You're one with the leader, you're one with God. This is all, this is what has been done in the past to create cults just like they're in Germany. And so what they propagate to continue to brainwash their followers is to inculcate into their minds, obey and never ever complain. And not only that, but... What also did they do to really hammer in this allegiance and loyalty to their leader? What else did they add? What component uh, did Nebuchadnezzar add? Because this is very powerful and moving, and it will not only help the people, the followers, to pledge their loyalty, but also their heart, their affection towards their leader. The book of Daniel 3 verse 7. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harm, harp, and lyre, and symphony, with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. What it was a an, uh, crucial and powerful component in the brainwashing of the people so that they will be loyal and they would pledged their allegiance to their king, Nebuchadnezzar. What did they use? The power of what? Yeah, power of music. Do you believe music is powerful? Yeah, because when you sing together as a group, right, and you're singing hymns, you're singing songs, and when you listen to those songs, it points to a certain man. And so if you create lyrics and you sing together, it's hypnotic. It reaches not only the mind but also what the heart. You begin to develop what affection for your spiritual leader, and so they would add that not only in their services, but they would also during our time they come up with their you know their videos, music videos that promote the leader. I mean, if there are religious religions today, and they create videos and musical musical videos, and it's praising the leader that is of the same pattern as Nebuchadnezzar. And so we can learn from what is happening in the Holy Bible as it applies even today. Let us be aware of religious leaders today who use propaganda, who use the power of music in order to create loyalty for himself. As a matter of fact, some bible scholars when they look at the power of music and how it can be influential in creating cult-like organizations this is written by a pastor named Warren Worsby he said throughout history music and song have played an important role in strengthening nationalism motivating conquest and inspiring people to act which is true right because when you hear good music it, for some reason, it tugs your heartstrings. And sometimes when your emotions are activated, you don't think rationally. And so you do things which are irrational, am right? The heart thrumps the mind. And so music has the power so to grip human thoughts and emotions that people are transformed from being free agents into becoming mere puppets, And so followers of religions can be mere puppets of the leader using the power of music. The English poet William uh, Congreve wrote that music has charms to soothe a savage beast, which is true, but uh, to to soothe a savage uh, breast. But music also has power to release the savage in the breast. Isn't that true? Music can be used as a wonderful tool and treasure from the Lord or as a destructive weapon from Satan. And so whenever we listen to music, listen to the lyrics. If the lyrics of a so-called religious hymn points to someone other than Yahuwah or Yahushua as its focus of praise and worship, that's not from Yahuwah. That music is not being used as a tool for strengthening the faith of God's people. It is a destructive weapon uh, from Satan himself, because Satan also used music, right? So be careful and be aware of these things. What when these, these people were singing and bowing down to the statue, who did not do that? And because of this, what opportunity presented itself? Well, let's read the book of Daniel. 3, 8 down to 12, it was then that some Babylonians took the opportunity to denounce the Jews. He said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may your majesty live forever. Your majesty has issued an order. So as soon as the music starts, everyone is to bow down, worship the gold statue. And that anyone who does not bow down, worship it, is to be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are some Jews Whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are disobeying your majesty's orders. They do not worship your God or bow down to the statue you set up. So there were some Babylonians. And what did they do? They reported certain people to the king. Right? Even back then, there were reporters. Right? Do you know what I mean by reporters? What do we call that in Tagalog? Even back then, there were people who were sip sip. How do you translate sip sip in English? Yung sip sip. How do you translate that in English? Yeah, K A. Someone said K A. Kiss something, right? And so they really want to look good before the king. And so they call the king, Your Majesty, live forever. I am one with you forever. And then they go report these Jews. What were their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what, your king, remember what you said? Whenever you hear the music, you begin to fall down and worship you. But you know what? There's these three people. They did not do that. Do you know why these Babylonians are upset with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Because of Daniel chapter two, right? And you can see these people, these Babylonians... Their lives were spared because of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But now, fast forward a couple of years later, they want to get their revenge. They're jealous, and jealousy makes you do things that are destructive. And so these people, these Babylonians, are jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because, if you still remember, they were promoted, right? So they were jealous. Now they have an opportunity uh, to get them, out of, get them out of the way. And some scholars believe that this whole thing was set up by these uh, Babylonians who were jealous of the Hebrews who were placed in high positions. And so this was all set up. Now this has come. Now the opportunity presents itself. They report these three Hebrews and they said to the king, they do not worship God, your God, or bow down to the statue that you set up. And so what did the king do? Well, let's read the book of Daniel 3, 13 and 14. At, at that, the king flew into a rage in ordered the three men to be brought before him. He said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you refuse to worship my God and to bow down to the gold statue I have set up? And so when Nebuchadnezzar received this report from these Babylonians who were jealous of the Hebrews, uh, what was the reaction of King Nebuchadnezzar? Well, of course he was furious, right? He was upset, but you notice what he did? He did not immediately believe, right? The Babylonians report, which is a good quality for a king to have. So what did he do? He summoned the three men and he asked the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true? So he investigated himself. He did not rely on the report of his advisors. A good leader must not be, always believing whatever his people tell him. He investigates for himself. You get that? That's one good thing about Nebuchadnezzar. He investigated himself. He got the three to come and said, is it true? Is it true that you would not bow down to the gold statue I've set up? And so when this question was asked, uh, what did Nebuchadnezzar offer to the three Hebrews? Uh, 3.15, now then, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, oboes, lyres, zithers, Harps and all the other instruments bow down and worship the statue. If you do not, you will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Do you think there's any God who can save you? You know, this passage tells us that Nebuchadnezzar, well, he had positive feelings for the three Hebrews, because if not, they would have already been thrown into the fire furnace, right? But what do we have here? Nebuchadnezzar is giving them a second chance, right? It doesn't matter what you said or what you did in the past. I'm gonna do something now. I'm gonna give you a chance. And this was not the typical response of King Nebuchadnezzar. With Nebuchadnezzar, if you violated his orders, he takes discipline really seriously. You would go to the furnace right away, no second chances. But with these three Hebrews, somehow he gave them a chance. He said to them, now, when you hear the sounds of the trumpets and the other instruments, I want you to bow down to the statue. If not, then you will be thrown into the blazing furnace. I don't know about you. Do you feel the pressure that the three Hebrews were in? That's a lot of pressure, right? I mean, when you think about the pressure to compromise their convictions, the king being giving them another chance. I mean, that king is known for his cruelty and brutality when implementing discipline, okay? The statue was imposing, I mean, how tall was it again? About 90 feet, right? The music, I mean, the music was compelling. What else? It was a dedication. This was supposed to be about about King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian kingdom, right? The dignitaries were all there, the unity, because if they were to define the orders of the king, they'll be the only ones everyone else are following right they're going to violate the unity and unity was a big thing we have to be one with the king we have to be one with the administrator we cannot betray the unity what else probably the fiery furnace I mean the fiery furnace is right there if you're not going to obey the king you're going to be be thrown into the fiery furnace and so that's a lot of pressure placed upon these young kids, because they're really young people, Shadrach and Abednego and uh, who's the name of the other one? Meshach. They were just probably teenagers. They were very young, very young, and they had a lot of pressure. And so they were being forced basically to be one with their administrator, to be loyal to the king, to be loyal to their administrator. And so when they were given this chance, what did they do? Daniel 3. 16 and 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does not. You know what we find here is what we call Conviction. And this is what is lacking in so many of us. If we're gonna be honest, a lot of us lack conviction, right? You know what conviction is? Conviction means being truthful to yourself, being truthful to your beliefs, even if there's pressure not to do so, right? I mean, really, when you think about it, all they have to do is bow down to the idol and then repent later, right? It's only five, 10 minutes. What's the big deal? God's going to forget. God will understand the situation we're at. So, if I'm going to be one with the administrator just for that time instead of being one with God, God was going to, he's going to, you know, be merciful. And so, a lot of people lack conviction because they think in terms of the point of view of human beings, thinking that this is not a big deal. But you know what's a big deal? And when the three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said to Nebuchadnezzar that they will not bow down to the statue, right? It showed two beliefs that they had about God. What was that? The Bible says, the God whom we serve is able to save us. They believe in the power of Yahuwah, But also, they believed in something else. What is that? In verse 18, it says, but even if he doesn't. Do you know what that means? They believe that Yahuwah's ways are not man's ways. Yes, they believe God has the power to save them, but they also believe God is a sovereign God. God can do anything he wants. God has a plan. Perhaps in this plan, it would require for them to be martyrs. And sometimes that is how it turns out. And so when it comes to Yahuwah Abba, when we are in the midst of a painful event in our life, we need to always remember power of God. Yes, he has the power to heal us of our sickness, he has the power to deliver us from our predicament, but he's also a sovereign God. He can use that sickness, he can use that trouble you are in for a higher purpose, maybe later down the line. That's the sovereignty of God. This is why we cannot presume Right, the sin of presumption. We cannot presume God is going to do that. I'm not going to take my vaccination because God's going to save me. Right? We cannot make assumptions like that. Yes, we acknowledge the power of God, but at the same time, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God. And so what did the three Hebrews say? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God whom we serve is able to save us. They believe in the power of God. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, they believe in the sovereignty of God, but if, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. And so what was the conviction of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? What was their conviction? Their conviction was, even if Yahuwah God chooses not to save them from the fiery furnace, they would still never serve other gods or worship the gold statue that was set up by King Nebuchadnezzar. What does that show you about their conviction? That they're loyal to who? Yahuwah Abba. Because they chose complete submission. They chose loyalty to their God rather rather than their administrator. And, you know, this conflict between placing loyalty to man and loyalty to God is always at play. From the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation, the history of man, there's always going to be that tension between the desire of your leader and the desire of your God. We have to make a choice. Ultimately, we make a choice and we choose between two options. Either we are loyal to a human being or we are loyal to God. Three Hebrews, despite the odds, they chose not to be loyal to their administrator. They chose to be loyal to God. Remember what King Nebuchadnezzar tried to do. He wanted to convince the people that loyalty to him is the equivalent of loyalty to God. But the three three Hebrews said, no, we're loyal to God and not to you. You're just a man. We are loyal to our God, not your gods, because the true God that we worship, Yahuwah, is the only true God. And this is why they showed their conviction, their loyalty, and they submitted not to man. They submitted not to an administrator here on earth. They submitted to God who rules over all things. And so when they said this, I mean, how do you think the administrator would react well, let's find out. Daniel three nineteen to 21, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied him up and threw them into the furnace. Fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And so, what was the reaction of Nebuchadnezzar? Because he was not expecting this at all, when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said to the king, uh, we're going to not bow down to the statue, even if our God doesn't save us. We're not going to do that because we're loyal to our God. And you can imagine how angry Nebuchadnezzar got. Bible says he was so angry. What happened to his face? It became distorted with rage. And so he commanded his servants to heat up uh, the furnace seven times hotter than usual. Then he got the strongest men to bind them. And so what he wanted to do was really to suppress them, right? To get them to stop talking, get rid of them, just kill them. And so that's what happened. And so they were thrown into the furnace, and it was heated seven times hotter than usual. You know how hot that furnace was? How hot was it? Let's read 22, 23. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego securely tied fell into the, into the roaring flames. It was so hot, it was producing noise, right? And the activity of the flames was such It reminded him of a roaring beast. It was so hot. What happened to the soldiers who threw the three men into the furnace? They were they were the ones who were killed. That was, that's how hot it was. And so when Nebuchadnezzar saw this, what did he say? 24, 25. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And so Nebuchadnezzar, while he was looking at the furnace, saw something unusual. He did not see three men who were bound, but how many? four men who were not bound they were walking freely probably having a party inside the furnace right and the king was astounded and he said the fourth one looked like a son of the gods He was probably a lot bigger right what does that mean when we have a reference of the son of the gods an angel And so, Yahuwah Abba sent an angel into the fiery furnace to protect the three Hebrews. And so, when Nebuchadnezzar saw this, and as he comes close, what does he tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to do? Let's read 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And so Nebuchadnezzar, out of curiosity, stepped a little closer, as close as he can get without getting harmed by the fire. And then he noticed he actually mentioned the Most High, God. And then he told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to step out of the fire. And when they came out of the fire, how did they look? Let's read 27. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair. On their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. There's nothing, no evidence at all that they were even thrown into the fiery furnace. Who was the one who got harmed by the fiery furnace? (laughs) Soldiers soldiers who threw them in. (laughs) They were the ones who were harmed, right? But you might say, well, the soldiers were just following orders. They're just being one, right? I'm just being one with my king. I'm being one with my administrator, who was the one who got killed. (laughs) The soldiers, the one who was one with their king, the one who was one with their administrator, who was the one who was saved, the one who was one with who? Yehovah. You know, brethren, we have to really think about this because there's this tendency for human religious leaders to impose themselves and make themselves into leaders whose authority was never given to them by God. Right. Like absolute control over the congregation. Absolute monarchs over the congregation. Lords over the congregation. Yahuwah God never meant that any who preach the word of God is to act as an absolute monarch or king over the people that they lead. This is why when people instruct you to be one with an administrator, a man, that is against the will of Abba. Because we are to be loyal to who? God, right? Loyal to Yahusha our king. If there are any... Religions today who practice loyalty to their leader here on earth. Brethren, be careful. You could be guilty of idolatry. Okay? And so we want to make sure we are not displeasing God. We are not rejecting the will of Abba. But we are one with Abba. One with Jehusha HaMashiach. Let's show faith in Him. Let's show our conviction. Let us not compromise our beliefs. Let's not compromise our faith. Let us not be compelled to be just like the others. Sometimes this is how people make their decisions. I want to be just like the others. Everyone else is doing this. Brethren, what's important is not what everyone else is doing. What's important is what Yahuwah Abba wants us to do. And so these three Hebrews, they showed their conviction. They showed their loyalty to Yahuwah Alahim. And so, when they stepped out, you notice how God protected them. They could not even smell the smoke in their clothing. That's what you call absolute protection. And this is what Yehovah Abba promises his people who were loyal to him to the point that they have to reject the desires of their administrator. Look at 28 to 29. The Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him, they defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. I mean, how many are like that today? Nowadays, people are afraid. You know, if I be loyal to God, I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my social life. Here are the three Hebrews. Hebrews. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whether their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There's no other god who can rescue like this. And so in this moment... In that moment of great pressure, in that moment of great distress, in that moment of great tribulation, in the fiery furnace. Yahuwah God used that as an instrument for him to be glorified. You see, brethren, if we just hang on and do the right thing long enough, eventually, eventually, Yehovah God is going to use the deeds of our conviction and use that for his glory. And so, brethren, let's be loyal to God, not to man. Be loyal to God, be loyal to the one who created you, and you will never go wrong when you make a pledge and be loyal to Yahuwah Alba. You know what the king did to the three? Let's read Daniel 3, verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. And so they were already in a good position, but because of the conviction, right? Because of their conviction. What did Yahuwah God permit to happen? That They would be promoted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be promoted to even higher positions. This is why when you place your trust and hope in Yahuwah Abba, if you have conviction to reject and to be willing to face whatever persecution, whatever danger, because you love Abba, because you are one with Yahuwah, God will not forget that. And he will bless you for it, just like how he blessed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the final verse of Daniel chapter 3. But there's a question that we have to ask. I don't know if this came to your head or not, but it's something we have to ask. What is that question that we have to ask? We finished chapter 3. Daniel, what question do we need to ask? It's like an elephant in the room. What do you want to know? After all the events that took place in chapter three has completed, was completed, I mean, what what pops into your mind? Do you know what question we need to ask is? It's this question, where was Daniel? Where was he? Where was Daniel? We don't know, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but we know one thing, he did not bow down to that statue for sure, right? I mean, when you look at the four Hebrews in Daniel chapter 2, who was the leader? It was Daniel, right? In this episode, in this fiery furnace, this furnace of fire, who was missing? Daniel. What does that tell you? What does Yahuwah Abba want to communicate to us, especially now? In times of fiery tests, we don't need a man here on earth, right? Daniel was not there for the three Hebrews. Did that matter? Did it matter? Oh, no, we're doomed. Daniel's not here because he probably was sent to an errand by the king, which is what most scholars believe. But that's not the point. Point is, Daniel was missing. There was no human leader. The three Hebrews, instead of being down and saying to themselves, what are we going to do? Daniel, our leader's not here. What did they do? They went to their true leader. Who is that? Yahuwah. You know, brethren, fiery times, tests of our life, often are taking place. They're being done to us to show and reveal to us who really we are loyal to. Because when you consider what happened to us, Us, we who belong to the small remnant of the assembly of Yahushua. There are three reactions to this test that we are all in. Because this is a test. This is a test, right? And what is this test about? The book of Zechariah. One more passage before we pray. This third, I will bring into the fire. Now, this is not the fire of men, right? This is the fire of what? Testing. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. If there's one thing for sure about the people of God, they will be tested because Yehovah wants them tested like gold and refined like silver. We know all about this. We were already taught this again and again and again in many, many years of worship services and teachings. We know we have to go through the fire. And then we did, right? We all went to the fire together. But did you notice there were three outcomes? What is outcome one? What is group one? Let's just not go through the fire. Right? They don't want to be in the fire. They would rather be one with their leader. It's number one. Number two, they went through the fire, but they were looking for another idol. You notice that? But there's a third, there's another group. They went to the fire. But instead of looking for another leader, what do they do? They look for who? They searched in prayer. They studied the Bible. Instead of looking for another idol that they would worship, they looked to God. And in the process of looking to God, what have they found out? His name. And so how can we recognize them? They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people. And they will say, Yahuwah is our God. Brethren, the reason why Yahuwah God took us through the fire is because he wants us to call on him. And to call on his name. Why? Because Yahuwah God wants to show us that we are his people. That we will say with our heart, Yahuwah is our God. Just like the three Hebrews. They went to the fire. You could not smell the smoke. We all went to the fire. And there is no evidence of smoke in our life. Because what we're doing today has brought us closer to Yahuwah Abba and to Yahushua HaMashiach. We know their name. We feel closer to them. And we rejoice more than ever because of what happened as we went through the fire together. This is the story and the purpose of the message of the three Hebrews. No matter what happens, brethren, place your loyalty not in man. Place your loyalty in who? Yahuwah, Abba. And he will deliver us and we will be filled with joy as we praise together, Yahuwah, is our God. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes, Lord God. Yahuwah, our God. Amen. How wonderful to be able to say that. Yes, Father. Not too long ago, we had no idea. What this prophecy truly meant. Yes, Father. And how it would be so relevant today. Yes. We have no idea about your name. Yes. But you have given us your name for one reason. Yes. You want us to draw closer to you. Yes. How can we draw close to you if we did not even know your name? Yes, but you have blessed us with this knowledge. Yes, and so we have this privilege and honor. Yes, to call you our God. Amen. You are our God. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much yes. for bringing us on to yourself. Yes, we know that we too were tested. Yes, many of us have lost our loved ones, many of us are persecuted by our families, yes. many of us. Are being insulted left and right. Yes. But Father, we cling to you. Yes. We will always cling to you. Thank you for delivering your people. Yes. Thank you yes. for giving us a purpose. Yes. Thank you for giving us your message. Amen. Our loving Mashiach Yahushua. Yes. Every day we will turn to you. Yes. We promise loyalty yes. to you, not to any human leader here on earth. Yes. You are our Mashiach. You're our leader, and so we are one with you, one with our loving Abba. May you pray for your servants. Help us to be strong enough that we can have conviction always to choose what is right before the eyes of our Abba. Sometimes this requires much sacrifice. Help us to feel your presence, because when we feel your presence, we are able, we're strong To be able to do that, to sacrifice for you and for our Abba. Father, please remember your people throughout the world. We are but a small remnant, but you are our God. That yes. is what matters the most yes. for us to be able to call upon you, yes. be able to declare Yahuwah is our God, Amen. provide for all of our needs, yes. give us spiritual strength, yes. direction, yes. give us more faith, loving Abba, yes. that yes. we can all complete our race. Amen. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers, yes. for we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.